You probably didn't think that I would start tonight out by having a things for you, but I do. How important is storytelling to innovation itself? How do you define yourself in a new direction, not just for you, but for others, a new choice, a new path, a new opportunity? How do you do that? On this event, we find out. Welcome to our Wednesday live event, Innovation in Audio. My name is Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We are a consulting company focused on non-media for about a decade. And then, of course, we've enjoyed doing work on everything from an app for the concert industry to reviewing strategic direction for projects of all kinds in all different kinds of industries. We've done this for a long time. We just absolutely love strategy and applying strategy to business and growth. Today, in addition to our non-media clients, we help local broadcasters make more money by being an affordable programming partner who can fully develop the right position for your local brand or brands, coach your morning show or other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs, provide excellent voice trackers, sales and promotional ideas that move the needle on revenue and ratings and more. We're confidential and market exclusive for radio itself. Reach out anytime if you've got questions, F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Please know that if you work in a non-media or non-radio business, we actually founded Rainmaker Pathway as a company that helps companies just like yours get attention in a crowded world. Boy, we've got that, right? So this podcast event, or I should say this live event, is part of a podcast series called the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, and will be available within about an hour, probably less, because Joe is so good, uh, of the end of this, this broadcast. And you'll be able to get it anywhere you get your podcast. Of course, our thanks to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. They do an excellent and amazing job for us. Tonight, we're going to visit with Sumaya Ojakli. Really exotic name. I may have butchered it. I'm not sure. We're going to find out. She is the managing director at Theorem 3 Advisors. I probably butchered that too, but I'm going to get school tonight. She is in New York City. She is with us live. And before we get started with our current guest, I want to give you a quick preview of what's coming next week on Innovation and Audio. Believe it or not, it'll be March 2nd, 2022. Ken Carson is the president of programming for New HD Radio, powered by St. Sophia's Mission. You will know about their mission. You will know about HD Radio with them. You're going to find out next uh, Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Of course, as always, you can see our full upcoming guest calendar for both of our live events, our Monday night live event and our Wednesday night live event. They're both in the free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. That's also where you'll find free encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series. And for local radio sellers, you bet, even more encouragement with our encouraging sales success guest series as well as free resources for anyone in radio today. Let's talk about today's guest right now. Now, today's guest is recognized as an efficient business development strategist, an innovator, manager, and team player who drives strategic partnerships and transactions to accelerate growth. Kind of important in 2022. A visionary brand builder, 
and uh, inventive business strategist. Look, she has worked with corporations, nonprofits, and individuals building programs, products, and partnerships that are sustainable and impactful through market and trend analysis, competitive dynamics, value pro uh, proposition strategies, corporate storytelling, and tailored launch initiatives. She leads business to realize goals. She's a focused listener, and of course, she pinpoints a company's key problems and hurdles, identifies areas of collaboration, drives innovation, and unlocks shared value. She uses what I would call a unique lens to create practical, measurable solutions to incubate new ideas while building and maintaining broad-based relationships with senior management, internal business units, and the industrial uh, professional networks that she's a part of, of course. Now, look, she works to develop initiatives and programs that result in compelling uh, portfolio growth opportunities. Subaya, do I have that right first? And second, welcome to Innovation and in Audio, the encouragers, how are you? I am good, thank you, and Sumaya is right, and um, uh, thank you for having me here. Oh, I'm so excited to have you, and when people get an idea of what you're like, I think they're going to get excited too. So, I, I want everybody to know right up front that we are going to get to innovation tonight, no question. Even in that introduction, people don't think of strategy and data and study as being part of innovation, but it actually absolutely is and you can see a lot in a lot of what i call um innovator stories that this pops up a lot elon musk steve jobs and many others data drives a lot of innovation today and storytelling plays a key role too now listen your story begins at billboard magazine as a promotion director what does the promotion director at billboard magazine do well actually billboard uh, magazine uh is is sort of the the bible of the music industry if you will and um it really talks about the, the trade the whole music trade and as a promotion director uh working within the magazine space my job was to get out there to all our advertisers and be part of the sales team in a certain way by finding ways to promote opportunity to advertise within the issue of Billboard um, across all our offices. We were had global offices, and uh, we had a fun time doing that. In fact, I um, you know had the chance to work with everybody from Don Einer to Clive Davis and, and um, be out there presenting along with the sales team to um, bring in uh, more opportunities, advertising, and um, sort of compelling content. You know, it's really interesting. A lot of people don't always understand, but, but eventually everybody gets it. Everybody's in sales. And in that job, you have a lot of different constituencies and let's call it sphere of influence that you're either going into or people are coming into your sphere of influence. I find that an interesting start for you for a couple of different reasons. One, it is that Bible of the industry, if you will. That's how they pitch it. That's, you know, that's what they've been doing forever and ever. And number two, uh, you have some pretty sophisticated clients. I love that you leaped into this next job now 
National Director of Entertainment Marketing at Universal Music Group. How did you end up making this change? And what did you love about this job at Universal Music Group? Um, I made the change by actually, while I was at Billboard, um, there was a, a group that was involved in sponsorship that supported the Billboard name, um, which was an entertainment marketing group. It wasn't within my division. So I kind of spent time um, trading some of the work that we did upstairs with the work that they did downstairs and got to learn what entertainment marketing really was. And um, at the time I had been thinking about, you know, whether I would move on to something different and would I stay in the same industry? Um, would I, at that point, I think I had uh, an opportunity to go over to Variety uh, or would I do something different? And, mm. and, you know, make that twist and turn over to the very industry that I was supporting uh, from the magazine side. And I went over to Polygram and at that time it was Polygram and then turned into Universal. Um, uh, I sat down with them and I realized that entertainment marketing in a way is like promotion and it's sales. And yeah. it spun me into that. And, and I was very lucky to have worked for such a great company um, where I worked across the board from building programs with uh, Taco Bell and Pepsi and um, uh, uh, what do you call it, Jeton uh, over in France and, and working with Cognac brands and then working with all of our catalogs, you know, from uh, Ella Fitzgerald you know, oh. her early catalog all the way through to U2 and and the Scorpions and um, Def Leppard. Yeah, a very so, similar artist, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, but but look, this is a this is kind of a sexy job. Yeah. Uh, you you have just we've just talked about two really sexy jobs and OK, so the next turn in your story for me that was interesting might be my favorite. And maybe you will tell us it wasn't a turn at all. Uh, you went to work as the VP Associate Marketing Director for Digitas. What was that like? Because it's starting to look like you're making this turn towards storytelling here. Yeah. Um, Digitas was interesting because it, at first I was like, well, you know, I'm, I'm making a very different jump. Um, I'm going to the other side because I was always telling stories like, selling my artists. Okay. So if yep. I was to look back at my time at Universal, it was more selling the artist saying, Hey, this would be great if we did sort of a, a, um, music driven opportunity with, uh, let's say Pepsi, or we did something with you two. And it, the reason why is because it coordinates with your brand points. And I always thought, Oh my God, entertainment is just fabulous. And it's, it's, they'll all want to buy into it. And yes, you know, everybody did want to buy into it, but they also had their own points that they needed to follow too, mm -hmm. to make it um, uh, uh, an opportunity for them. And so when I went over to the other side, which is Digitas, I was managing that other side. So not outselling, but actually saying, how do the stories match? How do I link up my client like General Motors or my client like uh, American Express with some like-minded brand or entertainment figure or, um, you know, whoever, whatever it was 
and um, allow them to link on the correct brand points that American Express might be looking for. And that's where I started to realize, wow, I knew all about the hype, but I didn't know about the business of. And by mm. being part of Digitas, I learned the business of and linked the two together to understand that we had to really create those super win-win situations with our corporate clients and, you know, in linking them up with potential, you know, influencers. Um, and, and, and that was a big deal for me and I loved it. I mean, it, it gave me a chance to be creative across the board while, um, selling in an opportunity. Yes. But using the, the balance points of a story to say why something works and why it doesn't. By the way, this all makes you look kind of genius looking back at your resume because, <laughs> because listen, you're talking about storytelling and, and really you're talking about the future. You are talking about our future right now, but back then, Okay, and so we're going to get to the data thing and all that, which is all part of this storytelling business and all part of matching everybody up. Have you always considered yourself a storyteller? Because even with data and AI and all this future stuff, telling a story is incredibly important. I believe the story is where everything starts. And, and that's a big deal. You know, everything has a story, no matter what it is, whether it's an object, whether it's a, let's just take an object, whether it's a ball, where did that ball go? Where did it come from? Why is it there? Why do we need it? You know, all the way through to, you know, a major motion picture and what that story is or why something was made. And if we start to think about today and why storytelling is so important, it's because it is innovative. It does encourage um, people to innovate. It encourages them to join in and it, and it encourages them to ask why. And um, I think that is a big deal because um, if, if we don't understand what the story is, we really don't care. You know, it, in, in a lot of ways, it's like art. Like if I go to, um, a museum, I might see something or a gallery and I might say, oh, wow, those are two like spots of color. You know, um, why, why does that, you know, I could do that. I could make two spots of color. And instead, when you're talking with the gallerist or whatever, they're explaining the story. The story is, is, well, not only are they two spots of color, but this was done by an artist who, you know, had a frenetic life and he felt that he could find calm in those two spots of color and that within those two spots of color, he worked over three years in building the paint one on top of the other to create the two spots of color. So it was kind of a lifetime of, of him dealing with maybe angst that he had by creating a calm within the color. So the buyer is standing there and saying, oh, wow, you know, that sounds really amazing. What a great story. So it's not really something I could do. But I might want to buy this because I love the story. And the story is something that I can then relay to others and why. And I'm interested in finding something calming. And every time I look at that piece of art, I'm calm because I see those two spots of color. And I think that's what we have to look at in you know, these days. Well, yeah, everything's a story. 
Yeah, I'll tell you something really interesting. The more modern we get, all this technology, you and I are speaking on smartphones right now that have more computing power than NASA had when they put man on the moon. Okay. But but see, technology changes, but humans don't really change. They respond to companionship and story and how how do we make this salient to them so that, that it has meaning for them? Listen, you became the director of corporate sales marketing for IGN Entertainment. I, I got to ask, you know, I'm going to say, um, you know, it's like that old saying, is everybody in sales? And do you always consider that you are in sales? You know what? Not necessarily. One way or the other, I think I consider myself and and in business development. Um, so it is sales, but it's also um, a big part of a consultation. You know, it's really understanding the strategies within a company and then understanding why they might need to work with you. So if we were looking at IGN, you know, why would you want to, um, you know, work with us? Well, maybe you want to reach, you know, young men uh, 14 plus. And maybe you want to create a brand evangelist in your, um, in your, in your, uh, uh, in like sort of in the the younger age group for a car that's been around a while. But that car is something that's going to be changing, um, and you want to create that brand evangelism early. Um, maybe that's why you might be working with me. So when you take the marketing and you take the sales and you pull it all together, it still becomes a story because I might say, wow, you know what? We don't need your voice, but we do. Mm. And well, that's key. So I, I think that's how I look at it. It's, it's storytelling. Storytelling is sales. Sales is business development. Business development is marketing. It, it all goes hand in hand. Oh, I consider when people use the term uh, development, uh, that that gets my attention right away because that's not always direct. And it does a lot of times, maybe all times, involve storytelling. And listen, let's get back to your story a little bit. Now comes the more intimidating part of your career, for me at least. Maybe it's where we start asking for real advice, right? You became the VP and general manager of Random House Group. How did that happen? Well, that was a little bit of a spinoff, you know, in a, in a certain way. So I always knew in music that um, the book business was something that was another part that I wanted to be in. So I had already done television, film, music, and um, uh, advertising and, and direct marketing and, you know, all of that. But, but I, was, I wanted to be in publishing to tell the story. And um, early on, I had gone to Golden Books Family Entertainment, which is part of Random House. Um, yeah. And, um, and we were bought. And, and I ended up staying there for a while. And, and um, the reality was, is that it, it's that part was the children's part I worked with. And uh -huh. um, uh, I loved it. I loved it because we worked with all kinds of content that was geared towards kids. And um, but there was a lot that went on behind, you know, behind sort of the, the brands, because yeah. there was so much people manipulating things, understanding, you know, why, you know, does Dora the Explorer have to have this and how come Pat the Bunny, you know, it has to be cozy and, and has to be make, make parents feel safe 
to give their child that book? And mm. why is the pokey puppy, you know, um, such an important part of our lives? Because guess what? It's part of story. And that story is, is that maybe, just maybe, and if we took Pat the Bunny, is probably a best one to take because it was a 60-year-old brand. And, and at that point, people didn't really remember it as their own, but they did remember seeing it. And that became a story. And we were able to take that story of how people remembered Pat the Bunny as baby's first book and spin it into a multimillion dollar property that, you know, then had us acquired by Random House and, and had us acquired because we had intellectual property. We had intellectual property that was an absolute wonder. And it was also nostalgic. So again, we're going back to the story. Each hey, look, time it's the story. Yeah. We've seen this a bunch of different times in a bunch of different lanes, like what Disney has done with, uh, uh, really comic book characters that they brought, you know, big superheroes that they brought into a new dimension in hundreds of millions of dollars made on these movies, right? Content is king. And that's storytelling. Yes, it is. So, so listen, uh, you. this really is interesting looking at the different jobs that you've held. You spent over eight years as the senior managing partner of something called Evolution and Strategy. You. You certainly seem to to me to be it, it seems to me that you love strategy. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, I love strategy and I love building strategies. But and, and again, I'm going to say they, it, it's really funny how it always turns back. But strategy is part of the story. It's you know? a story. And strategy is the story. Well, you know, um, what's your story? That's your strategy. Right. Correct. Yeah. So listen, all this time in New York, I mean, you are a New Yorker, right? Yes. You, you become the VP of content solutions, special marketing for Simon & Schuster. Do you love helping people tell their story? Not just your story, tell their story. What can you tell us about this time in your life and, and really about helping other people develop their story? I love it. Everybody has a story, but not everybody knows what their story is. And sometimes mm. you have to spend time listening to who they are and what they're talking about. Um, and just the smallest nuances will allow you to pull out a story out of somebody. And you'll be able to find out, you know, you know, what makes them tick? What makes them interesting in certain ways? What makes them, you know, afraid in certain ways? What makes them, you know, excited in certain ways? But it all pulls into one part of, a, you know, some part of a story. And, right. you know, having been there, it, what it did was um, I worked across 51 imprints, which was everything from, you know, adult imprints to children's imprints to uh, imprints that just were in one focus area, like maybe it was just martial arts or maybe it was cooking. Um, but within all those areas and subject areas, there was a story. And the power of the story is what, you know, took us to the next level. It encouraged us. Uh, we had best-selling books that, you know, encouraged people to do more, do right. other things. And so for me, um, and, and throughout, even when I was with Evolution and Strategy, I always spent time working with companies, working with private, both private sector corporations always 
um, helping tell the story, which then became business development. Right. Listen, uh, you got so many things going on and how you're putting your career together. I hope you'll tell us, I mean, one of the things about our group, the encouragers, is we want to encourage people how to define their careers, how to know when to jump, how to know when to take risk and when not to. I, I really hope you'll tell us how you make the different decisions about jobs that you have and what drives your interest when it comes to work. And, and how do you know when it's time to take that next chapter? I guess for me, it's, it's sometimes it's, um, uh, it's a feeling it's always, if I've done, you know, enough of the same thing, um, I say to myself, you know what, it's time to go. I'm also one of those people that is, um, very much into the mentoring space. So I, mm. uh, I'm interested in making myself replaceable. Um, too many times people, uh, want to just hang on and cling to something, but there's so much more out there. And so if I say, um, what I've really done is, is, is I have created the 360 degrees of, of marketing and media for myself and That's I've right. followed the circle. I see that. I actually can see that in your career. And you just hit another word for us that's real important to the encouragers. Do you have a mentor or mentors? If so, can you share a quick story about how a mentor has shaped your life around work? How about no? No mentor. And I did not. And I did everything myself, but I did it um, through reading and helping and always wanting to be a mentor myself because I didn't have one. Um, the one thing I can say is that my parents always told me you can do anything you want. Mm -hmm. And, and, and especially my father, my father said, you know, you can do anything you want. Now, what did your dad do for work? Um, he was an engineer. Oh, he was never wrong, right? Yeah, there you go. And my mom was a nurse. So it was, you know, it's, it's, they always were like, you'll just always go up. And that was the one thing my mom said, you'll always go up. So, so no, in the way of having someone help me craft my world, I crafted it myself. But what I do now is help is, is honestly, it's just inherent within me. Anybody who has worked for me from day one, um, right has been mentored through to success. Well, this is so interesting. I was going to ask, you know, how do you try to lift others up? Because we, we have a lot of women who come on our live events and they talk about how the arc of their career has early on. It, it is not involved a lot of mentors because who's, who are they reporting to? A bunch of men. And, 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 you know, our people, the men have challenges mm -hmm. sometimes, I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. And so women have to put up with a lot of things. Uh, would you say that any or some of that is true? And how do you help, I'll say, younger women move in this direction with you of always going up? I think you have to always hold on to the confidence that you can. Um, but the biggest part is, is yes, you know, I think if I was to look back, I, I have been very lucky, uh, to have enjoyed working, um, 
with everyone in my career, like, you know, both men and women and having had a lot of male bosses, uh, it's, you know, I've never thought about it. I've had female bosses too, but for me, I've always, uh, maintained one thing is that, um, I keep confidence and I, I am confident that I can do what I can do. And it's very hard sometimes because it depends on where you've grown up or how you've grown up as to how you can exude that, you know, level of confidence. And, and that's something, you know, in certain cases you work on, but in certain cases, you know, it comes up, it's like I would say nurture versus nature, you know, nurture in the way of, my parents saying, yeah, you can go up and yeah, you know, be confident because you do know, and you'll, you'll get to where you're going. However, um, with a lot of women that I have worked with and, uh, encouraged in the field, I am always there to, um, give them contacts to talk to both, mm-hmm. actually both men and women. There are men, there are some, have been men that I've worked with that also, especially young, you know, yeah. trying to figure out where they're going and what they're going to do next and how am I going to do this next? Well, it's about contacts, understanding things. I have sent people off to other divisions and departments just to take a, you know, to talk to other people to see what is that job like? You know, yeah. what does it look like? Or, you know, have them talk to people who are in their space who are older but understand their space. Um, I think it's necessary that all of us provide the mentorship and the ability to bro- to provide those contacts because that's the biggest thing. Honestly, some people keep the as it's it's they keep them in their vest pocket and they never let them out, and it's wrong because that's right. Sharing in this capacity wins. Over and over and over and over and over. Um, and, and that's the one thing. And when you can view somebody and say, you know what, they need help here, offer it. If they take it and they work with you, they know what they're doing. Well, and the, the love of who you are spreads to other people. So when you help other people, it's remembered. Maybe not always, but in a lot of occasions. Let, let's catch up with the present. Today, you're the CEO of a really interesting company. I'm not even going to attempt here to get this right because I'm going to let you do it. But I want to know if you could have seen yourself in this job when you took that first job at Billboard. And I want to know, can you tell us about the work that you're doing and how you like performing at the CEO level? So tell us the name of the company and tell us about it right quick. Well, it's called Theorem 3 Advisory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, theorem three advisors.com. If you go to the website right. and, um, what we are is a, um, a, a business development and strategy company. And we do that again through both storytelling and, 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 and strategy in the way of looking at what we need to solve. Um, so the types of clients that we work with are, you know, in, 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 in nonprofits and corporations and, um, and even just small offices, you know, um, mm. it depends on who needs the help. 
I love the I love the diversity of what you going on what you have going on. I, I'll read this directly from your website. We understand that being agile and innovative is essential to authentic storytelling and important to sustainable legacies. Technology, policy, capital resources, media distribution, alternative revenue streams. Your company serves corporations, startups, individuals and philanthropies and look you you do you like doing this work in so many different environments i love it i love it because i love the directions i can go uh right now i work with JetBlue uh soar with reading which is an incredible opportunity i've been working for the past good few years um, in bringing um, reading to uh, children in areas that are normally book deserts. And so JetBlue has a wonderful, wonderful project going on. So what I do is I work with them in curating sort of diverse um, books that match the children in the areas. And uh, they get to pick free books uh, all summer long. And it's wonderful. Are they basically, um, are they do, are they delivering the books? What's happening there? No, they, they have a, a, a group that really gets involved in the community. It's a wonderful, wonderful airline that, uh, you know, is part of the community across the board here in the United States. And that's right. their story, too. You know, so again, yeah, absolutely. Let's, if we look at the story, they also bring that level of opportunity um, to, uh, to children who are in need uh, with new books. Um, and, uh, I've been lucky enough to work with them and, you know, some, uh, uh other, and, and their agency company 20, and it's just been a really, um, wonderful experience, but also on the other side, we've also worked with, with amazing, uh, people at the museum of national, uh, national museum of civil rights in, in, uh, Tennessee, um, and um, build.org, which is all about uh, building our youth into the entrepreneurs of tomorrow. Right. Um, and, and, and various, various family offices and, and individuals that are building out book lines. We have an incredible book line that will come out that's going to be dual language. Um, and uh, we're working with uh, an incredible, incredible um, uh, teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, to build this line, uh, Rebecca Palacios. And uh, I, I'm honored. Um, so it's, it's, it's the chance to get to do a lot of things, but still do the same things. Tell the story, develop the business, and build the strategy. Very good. Look, certainly you're an expert in a variety of fields. You've proven that in the different jobs that you've taken and mastered. And look, you know, we're not just a live event. Uh, the, the biggest part of what we do is the resulting podcast from our interviews that we do. And so if somebody stumbles across this and they're listening to this interview, one of the things that's important to us is talking about the keys to building important things in a career. What do you think is the key to building a diverse career path that is actually rewarding in the 21st century? Because we know things have changed so much. Yeah. They have changed, and it's hard sometimes to look at it. <laughs> you know, yeah, right? Wow, you know, there's it, people aren't in offices. People are, you know, it's all these different things. It's it's right. it's in it's it's. You know, I've been working since Web 1.0 in in the internet, and I mean, even before that, I I was involved in in really looking at 
uh, I've always looked at investments and looking at things like Apple and looking at, you know, AOL and all of that. But if I bring it all the way now to the future and I start to say to myself, wow, look, look where we've been. It's something that evolves. It's something that evolves. And for the people today, you know, to really understand sort of their career paths and their business paths, um, I guess what I could say is, is really to, there is no plan sometimes, but there is the plan is, is kind of what excites you, what makes you happy and find the thread and go for something a little bit different. Because if you stay in the same thing, sometimes that area becomes redundant. And so for me, if I, if it's kind of like I'm running serpentine, you know, through each job. So here I am, I'm in magazines. Well, magazines connect to music and it's a music magazine. So let's go that way. Now I'm in music and music is entertainment and working with film and video and wow. And now I'm going to take that full circle and I'm going to bring it to the brands and I'm going to work on the brand side with the agencies and, and develop that story. And now I've gone another way and I'm taking you know, myself and, and going out there and building out, you know, strategies for everything from the army all the way through to Nintendo and saying to myself, Hey, you know, what am I up to? What am I doing here? What is the strategy? Again, it's the story. So I think what I did was just kind of create my own story. And for those out there who struggle, you know, with themselves and say, well, you know, okay, I, I worked, you know, in, in, I don't know, in, in, uh, uh, at Google. And now I don't know what to do. I, I, you know, don't know which way to go. Well, there are a lot of things because when you really take that apart and you look at all the spokes to the wheel of Google, you probably touched upon many of them. And there has to be one to two to three, that's a favorite of yours. And you might say, wow, you know, I like this aspect of it. I want to go after this. I'm good in this. Let me unite it with this and make it even better. Yeah, listen, uh, I could see that you really get energized by your work. For, for a moment, we talked about development. We talked about interesting different kinds of clients doing good. And I wonder if dipping your toe into that kind of work along with what you might call a more traditional lane too energizes you further, does it? Yeah. Yeah. Because it feels like there's mission and meaning. And is it more tangible? What is it? You mean, so if you're looking at that saying, is it more tangible? Is it more tangible in, in, in sort of being uh, in the, the silo of corporate versus the, the sort of, um, I'd say, wagon wheel of of um running your own running your own team and your own business and rolling out um it's exciting both are both are exciting um once one when you're in the corporate area the biggest problem is is it doesn't move as fast and so Mm. you always have to have patience and so Patience is is really important in that area. And so for those who are in that space, patience, because you have to wait for other people to get something done. When you are in your own business, you're, you know, bringing your own team around, you're working with your own connections, and now you're swinging them in different ways to achieve success for other 
you know, for your clients, yes. you have a little bit more opportunity to sort of run around another way or kind of run under the radar. Well, and, and look, and when you're working for nonprofits, that's wholly different as well, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, because also, too, what I've seen on nonprofits, which is very important, though, too, is mm -hmm. working with nonprofits. And I happen to sit on the board of a fabulous nonprofit, uh, Grand Street Settlement. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, what's very important is, is what do they need and how can I bring that to them? And how can I create that, create opportunity for them utilizing, okay, going back in, is the context that I've built over my years right. in the other side of the business. So you always accumulate all these wonderful contacts, but what do you do with them? You know, Wait. and you'd be surprised. <laughs> is it is it helpful for you to be in New York City? You've always heard that, you know, right? Um, honestly, I will tell you this. Uh, today, you know, after these two years, because we've been hit mm -hmm. with such a crazy time with COVID, um, I don't think any city is uh, immune to anything because everyone has run, okay? And um, uh, no one's meeting face-to-face -face, oh, uh, in a lot of spaces. It's all different now, isn't it? Yeah. And, and some people, you know, still come in and do things, but they're not meeting face-to-face -face in comparison. So we are very lucky to have created all these opportunities through audio and video and, yes. you know, all kinds of ways to maintain communication, even to the point, you know, where we've all, I'm sure, have been guilty of having wine on Zoom uh, during the early, you know, uh, times of COVID when we couldn't leave our houses at all, you know, mm. and talking to all your friends. And, and so when you bring it forward now to business, um, we have all these wonderful, wonderful um, options. Right. So it brings us together in certain ways that we've never thought about. And now we see the younger people too, especially, and what I've learned, to, what I've seen, because I know so many of them, I work with so many of them, and I love working with them, is mm -hmm. the fact that they might be in, you know, Tahiti today, but they're working. Right. And they might be in Florida tomorrow, or they might be just staying in New York City for the week and enjoying dinners with their friends in their own pod. But they're working and they're working really hard, but they're able to guide their lives by not having to just sit at the desk. This always tends to come back, though, right, to contacts people that you know, uh, people that you can influence in your sphere of influence, and of course, the ability to be nimble on how you communicate with people, right? Yes, absolutely. And absolutely. The, and the storytelling. Yes. I don't care how inventive we get. Uh, if you don't get inventive with your storytelling, you're going to be in trouble. Finally, I got maybe the hardest question. I don't know what you'll consider here. Uh, I always give my guests kind of, I get them off the hook first by telling them, look, nobody knows the future. Now that I've said that, I'm going to ask you if you can tell us how you see the future of innovation and the future of storytelling. I think that the future of innovation, um, I think that we're going to move faster. 
I think that we're going to, and you've seen this happen now. Yes. You've seen this it, just alone. It, it, you know, uh, I hate using COVID as this, but it is very true because just to see how fast we, we came up with the vaccination at that point, you see people coming up with, you know, unbelievable biotech that would blow you out of the water from, you know, um, uh, echo, you know, sonogram type machines that you can carry and attach to your iPhone uh, all the way through to, you know, um, mechanisms for being able to, you know, talk overseas in a, in a, uh, a clearer manner to, you know, anything you can imagine is happening, but it's happening at a nanosecond. Yes. And, and, and that's something that is very important to know. It is happening at a nanosecond. And, um, what I see there is where is that future of storytelling? It's still there because everything is based on a story. Just by me even telling you that story about, uh, you know, the, the whatever it is, it's like a Doppler that's, that's being created to be attached to your iPhone. There's a story behind that and why it was created and how it was created. It, all the way through to all of the, the fighting between the vaccines. But yeah, but we're also learning things. We're learning about, you know, mRNA and we're learning about, you know, what other countries are doing. There's a story behind that. You know, we're learning more and more, but we're learning at a faster place, but we're, pace, but we're also becoming hungrier for ways to um, digest content for ways to to get content and um audio has has really taken a, an amazing flight um because it gets better and better as we go along and um people are on the road so and on the road not meaning for work but on the road just on the road and, yeah. and they need audio they're they're looking in that that way um it's 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 books books have gone to audio oh, audio yes, books and and they're expanding and so everybody always says that oh my god you know audio books are you know now that's something that's going to take away everything no you know what print sales are up 10% um when you look at different things like that it's it's very important to know that people still do want the tangible so as much as we see all this happening and we watch innovation, there is a place for everything that has started, you know, it, it, it day one. And it has basically become the springboard for that next thing. So the printed word has become the springboard for ebook and audiobook and whatever else they come up with. At one time they had the book, which was actually a video book. You know, it's <laughs> it keeps expanding, you know, keeps going more and more. Uh, well, and, and that's what I look at. Well, and look, there's always room for the story, always room for the story. And that's why I'm glad we have had this time with you. I want to thank you, Sumaya, for, for taking this time with us, for joining us on Innovation and Audio. I hope thank you'll you for having me. Yeah, I hope you'll stick around uh, in case somebody from our audience might have a question for you in just a moment. Does that sound okay? That sounds fine. 
listen, if you have not subscribed to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, uh, you're already missing out on great content every single week. We already have a growing archive of shows for you, and you won't believe what you'll hear or the people that you'll run into on these events that will improve the value of your own career. While you're listening to this event live, make sure you've joined the Encouragers here on the Clubhouse app and share it with friends and others uh, in audio or people who appreciate innovation, of course. Find out what our guests talk about every single week Week, including the ways that you can help your career become even better and more robust and certainly more innovative by subscribing to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast. You can get this, of course, on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. We have another podcast, too, called the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, also available almost anywhere you can get a podcast. Of course, we're going to open up our room in case we have a question or two from our audience. I already have some from uh, the IM platform here that I can ask, but I do want to tell you that uh, all you have to do is push the button at the bottom of your iPhone or Android device and raise your hand. We'll bring you up onto the stage. We'll ask you to mute your microphone when we do. We'll make it obvious when we're talking to you and asking you to ask your question at the same time. As we always like to say, you don't have to come up on the stage. You can hit me up through the IM platform through Clubhouse and get it that way. Before we do that, I want you to save this date and share it with anyone associated with broadcast or audio revenue in any way. April the 14th, 2022, uh, the event will start sharply at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And of course, it is going to be our next exclusive sales event for market managers, sales managers, and local radio sellers. We're calling the upcoming Q2 sales exclusive event, Getting Higher Sales Now in a Crowded Market. Uh, David Deutsch will be with us. He is the president of Midwest Family, and Brian Maloney is the vice president of Capital Broadcasting. He'll be with us as well. And uh, they're going to share with us a great opportunity to boost your revenue, not just in Q2, but also after that. And of course, uh, we'll have others that will be on this broadcast as well. And we want you to uh, be a part of that. Alec will be with us. And I know you know who Alec is if you've been around for a little bit. He is a sales consultant, Alec Drake, uh, and he'll be co-hosting this event with me. But listen, if you missed our first quarterly sales event called the 2022 Sales Liftoff, you can find that in a podcast episode now. Uh, in the free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com, or you can subscribe to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast anytime and get it free in our archive. Don't forget, Monday, we will will ask you to join us at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for our radio rally on Clubhouse right here on the Encouragers. Next Monday, we're going to talk with somebody who has one of the most fascinating jobs in broadcast. His radio station's lead the pack and have more than $35 million in annual revenue, more than the number two radio station in North America. Who are we talking about? February 28th, Joel Oxley will be with us, Senior VP in Washington, D.C. for WTOP at WFED. And uh, he's going to answer our questions. I think you're going to find him fascinating. Tell your friends in innovation, audio, or specifically radio and uh 
that they can, of course, get free resources for themselves at RainmakerPathway.com in our free blog section anytime. Questions. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start. I've got a couple of questions that are already queued up, uh, so I hope you're you're ready for this. Do you believe if business and industries don't innovate that uh, they will have more and more challenges and eventually die in what I'm calling the innovation century? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, look, it's really interesting, right? Because some people, they, they resist change. They resist learning. They resist innovating. And sometimes uh, uh, the bigger a company, the, the more they are focused on not innovating. Yeah, I, I, do I do agree. I mean, it, the, it, the, a lot of companies can't innovate because there's so much red tape. But it, even just the smallest uh, bit of innovation, whether it's just taking a step forward, right. is innovation enough for that company. But they have to keep looking ahead. You know, That's there's, exactly there's right. no way you can stay the same. Okay, so my last question for you here um, is, how do you encourage innovation and storytelling specifically with clients and partnerships? Because you, you've done this for a long time, but I'm talking about today. How do you do that? Today, it's, it's more, it's, it's a lot of use, using, it's a lot of using storytelling to, as examples um, uh, it's sort of as kind of exemplary for innovation. So if I was to say to get people to, um, change their mind or move ahead, I use storytelling to give them examples of where certain things would end up if they didn't do something. Mm -hmm. Um, and by doing that, it gives them an opportunity to sort of role play and say to themselves, well, Hey, you know, I could do this. I could take this small step. I could work, you know, add this. Um, a lot of it is, is just really listening to, to their story. And I think that's an important part to always bring forward is that if you don't listen to them, why do you think they'll listen to you? And so um, it's necessary. Everyone does have a story. They have a story. You have a story. And I think that you can, compel both stories to work together in kind of a yin-yang mode. So Maya, I gotta, I gotta that's how tell I look you, at it. you're really on a, a, a really interesting path here because, and I'm going to say this because you got that universal music and all that stuff in your background. You know, back in the old days, Lionel Richie used to say that he put those love songs on those Commodores records in the 70s because, A, he knew it would be a way, he knew they had to have a ballad and he wanted to write those ballads, but he also said people want to be heard and people can't always tell their story effectively. And I think that's why we need people like you, uh, people like me in consultative roles that can help people bring their story out. I appreciate your time. We do want to keep things uh, to about an hour. We're rolling right up on it. And uh, I got to say our thanks to Samaya Ojakley for being such a patient and giving guests with us. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, which should be available uh, 
pretty soon in the next couple of minutes maybe and of course we thank justjoeproductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast please do share our podcast both the encouragers the radio rally podcast and the encouragers innovation and audio podcast with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio or are interested in how do you uncrack or crack innovation, if you will, because innovation is scary for people. Both podcasts are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else from tonight, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of Innovation and Audio with our group, The Encouragers, and good night.